Well, number one, I want to make a bid to be on the House Agriculture Committee because we don't have any representation right now, Democrat or Republican, on that committee. Well, I think we're all being very cautious because we, I think, took the 2016 election a little bit for granted and we got a little complacent. This year, we're all being super careful. I think we're all sweating it. I think our biggest problem over the next 20 years or so is going to be handling the huge number of people who will seek to come here. Uh, Washington State and Seattle as its biggest city are now well known internationally. Uh, it's, we're not just a sleepy little uh, northwest uh, backwater. That's congressional candidates Lisa Brown and Dr. Kim Schreier and Daniel J. Evans, former Washington governor and U.S. Senator. What do they all have in common? They represent the past, present, and possible future for shaping politics in Washington State. elections are just two weeks away. If you live in Washington, you have probably already received your ballot through the mail. Make sure your ballot makes it to the mailbox. There are no excuses. There's no standing in line like you have to do in many states because of voter suppression. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. This past weekend, Jennifer and Keith Schwarsch hosted a campaign event at their home for three Democratic congressional candidates. Lisa Brown, who was running for the 5th Congressional District in eastern Washington. Dr. Kim Schreier, running for Congress from the 8th District, which covers the territory from Issaquah to Ellensburg and down to Eatonville. Carolyn Long, a congressional candidate from the 3rd District, which covers southwest Washington as far north as Chehalis and down to Vancouver, Washington, was also present. Enough of the geography lesson. Now let's get on to the races. All these three races are viewed nationally as contests that could be won by either the Democrat or Republican. Some of the polls have them only hundreds of votes apart. Now I'm not claiming that I am bipartisan because I am not. I support and hope all of these three candidates I just mentioned win their races. I believe it is absolutely critical that the Democrats take back the House at a minimum. This will provide the country with a strong check on Trump and the Republicans gone wild. 20 years ago, I had an interview with former governor and U.S. Senator Dan Evans. Take a listen and see what has changed in the current political climate and what hasn't. There was a time when people like me, a strong Democrat, could work easily with Republicans. Those days are long gone. I also chatted with lifelong activist Judith Zay. Her first campaign was working for Adley E. Stevenson when he ran for president twice as a Democrat and lost to Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1952 and again in 1956. Before I get too far into this, uh, the station wants me to ask you to go to 1150kknw.com and fill out the 2018 KKNW listener survey. Your responses will help the station better tailor itself to your needs. As an added incentive, when you fill out the survey, 
you have a chance to win round-trip passage on the Victoria Clipper to Vancouver, B.C., plus a $100 gift certificate to Swartz Brothers Restaurants. So log on to 1150kknw.com. One lucky person's name will be drawn November 6. Complete contest rules can be found on 1150kknw.com. Back with my interview with Lisa Brown in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Lisa Brown had time for a couple of quick questions because she was out the door on her way back to catch a Horizon flight to Spokane to continue with her campaign. Lisa is a former state legislator and chancellor of the Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine affiliated with Washington State University in Spokane. I asked her what would be her top priorities if she was elected. Well, number one, I want to make a bid to be on the House Agriculture Committee because we don't have any representation right now, Democrat or Republican, on that committee from Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. So I think Northwest Agriculture really needs a voice. I'm an economist, so I'd love to be on that committee. Second, I think we need to get engaged with a reform agenda. The, uh, the dark money and the lack of transparency in the campaign finance system is something that I hear is causing people to increasingly be skeptical of our system. And so I think we need to start right there because it affects all the other issues that we want to work on. What do you sense to people out there? Are they really frustrated and things? we got a district that you're running for that hasn't been blue since, what, 1992, 94? 94 uh, is when Tom Foley was the uh, congressman, speaker of the House, who lost the seat. Um, what I sense is that people are looking for an independent advocate for Eastern Washington and someone who will put the interests of the region over the political party. And they don't have that right now. My opponent votes 97% with the Trump administration. And so I believe she's lost touch with what people in Eastern Washington really care about. And it's the basics, affordable health care and higher education, things like that. How are you going to win this? We are close already, but the real key now is turning out the vote. We believe there are enough votes to win, but they're, particularly on the Democrat side, there are often younger people who, who aren't as, uh, don't have as high uh, a pattern of voting, and so we're reaching out to them door to door. It's a very big district, so we have five field offices, and we have spent a lot of time on the campuses registering new voters, but now it's all turnout of, of voters. Now, this is the most serious question I'm going to ask you. I've got to ask it, though. What did you think of the Cougar game yesterday? Oh, that was fantastic to have game day in Pullman and to have a big win. That was really fun for everyone. Well, I know there's been some controversy about using Go Cougs in this campaign, but I say Go Cougs for you. I'll say Go Cougs, too. All right. Uh, good luck. Thank you. That's Lisa Brown, candidate for the 5th Congressional District in Eastern Washington.
Former Governor Daniel J. Evans and citizen activist Judith Zay coming up shortly. But first, Dr. Kim Trier coming up next. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Dr. Kim Schreier, congressional candidate for the 8th Congressional District, is my guest. She is a pediatric care doctor based in Issaquah, and this is her first run for political office. I asked her, how was she feeling about the Democrats' chances for taking back the House? Well, I think we're all being very cautious because we, I think, took the 2016 election a little bit for granted, and we got a little complacent. This year, we're all being super careful. I think we're all sweating it. Um, I believe the big difference this year is that we have the energy on our side, but we also have the issues on our side. I mean, we are running on issues that help everybody in our districts, prescription drug prices, health care costs, a tax bill that would work better for, for middle-income families. And, and when I look at what gives me hope for this election, because we're polling neck and neck, is that I had 800 volunteers out knocking doors for me last weekend and the same number this weekend. And that is tremendous enthusiasm. Those are feet on the ground talking with the voters. I don't think they have that on the other side. I don't think they have this kind of passion and energy, and I believe that's what's going to get us over the mark. And what would be the first thing you do as a congresswoman? Uh, I would get right to work on health care. We need to bring down our drug prices, and we need to make sure every family in this country can afford the health care that they need. That's Dr. Kim Schreier, congressional candidate from the 8th District. KIXI, a sister station of KKNW, 20 years ago. I asked Dan Evans then how we thought politics had changed from the time he served as governor and U.S. senator, which spanned the late 1960s, 70s, and 80s. I asked him if he would consider entering politics again, given the current political climate of the time. Now, keep in mind, this question was asked 20 years ago. Well, not at my age, but if I were uh, 26 or 27, which is when I started in politics the first time, uh, sure. I think public life is fascinating, it's interesting, it's an opportunity to do some things that you can't do in any other uh, arena that I know of. Uh, it's tougher now. Uh, it's uh, not, as, uh, not as easy as it was then in terms of relationships with uh, others in the political scene, but that doesn't make it not worthwhile. How is politics different today than when you entered the legislature in the 1950s? I, I was first elected to the legislature in 1956. Uh, biggest, biggest change is communications, uh, the media. Uh, in, in 1956, newspapers were really the prime uh, guidance in politics. That's where people got their news, the power of the political reporters in the newspapers 
was far greater than it was on television, which was just beginning in those days. Uh, that's changed to where the electronic media now is predominant, and that means uh, more sensationalism, uh, less uh, depth of coverage, and so the average citizen who gets their news primarily from the electronic media isn't getting as much detail, isn't uh, getting it in a, as thoughtful a way, I think, as uh, once happened. Governor, what do you think about the media scrutiny on the personal lives of elected officials? I think that's part of the uh, media, uh, part of the electronic media, part of this uh, drive for more, faster. You know, we've got to fill up an awful lot of time between uh, television and radio as well as the newspapers. Um, and you, you have to fill it, or unfortunately, they seem to fill it more with uh, murder, mayhem, sex, and, and that applies to politics as well as to other things. How did you personally become interested in public service? I grew up in a family that was very interested politically, although neither my mother or father would have ever dreamed of running for public office. But my mother was a lifelong Republican. My grandfather, her father, was in the state Senate here in Washington in uh, the late 1890s and later became U.S. Marshal and Collector of Customs, uh, you know, both big political jobs of that era. So I grew up in a political family. We uh, had a lot of dinner table conversations about government and politics. Um, I guess I didn't at that time think about running for office, but I was called back into the Navy you know, during the Korean War. And seeing what went on then and uh, talking with uh, others during the time I was in the service, uh, realizing the frustrations of the Korean War, the first war which ended in a stalemate for the United States rather than uh, a victory, and all gave me some impetus to come back and to get involved more directly politically. And so I guess the, uh, that stint in the Korean War was probably the thing that tilted me toward public office and particularly elected office. What is your fondest memory in politics? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know that there's any one, uh, any one particular uh, kind of thing. There were some highlights. Uh, during the time I was governor, which uh, really was the, uh, that, that was the best political job I ever had. Uh, being a political chief executive, uh, using, as Teddy Roosevelt used to say, the, uh, the office as a bully pulpit. On part two of my interview with Governor Evans, I asked him what was his greatest disappointment. Oh, I think that uh, the thing I worked hardest on with least uh, result was tax reform. During the mid-60s, we realized that the support of public schools was going to be virtually impossible with the tax structure we had then. Property taxes were going up, special levies were being used to a greater and greater degree, uh, people were finally voting them down because property taxes were simply too high, and we sought out a better answer and finally got the legislature twice in a very bipartisan way, by more than a two-thirds vote in each house, to propose a comprehensive tax reform that would include a very rigidly uh, limited income tax plus serious drops in the uh, and limits on property taxes and sales tax. We went to the ballot twice and got beat badly both times. People just weren't ready to accept that. How did you enjoy being a United States Senator? Well, I was disappointed in the Senate. I guess I wasn't cut out to be a senator, uh, and I would advise anybody else uh, who's running for public office if they uh, seek to be a governor and a senator. Be a senator first and then a governor. You'll be a lot more satisfied, I think. 
I had read a lot of American political history, and still do. Read particularly about the United States Senate in those uh, early 1800s, uh, the golden years of the Senate, they call them, a time when uh, political debate ensued between the West and the North and the South on slavery, and uh, they knew that the Civil War was coming unless there was some way they could change things. And so there were great debates on big issues, and I looked forward to the Senate because I thought, gee, if I can take part in debates on great issues, uh, that would be really rewarding. Never in the six years I was in the Senate did there ever occur a really serious debate on a big issue with most of the senators sitting in their seats uh, really taking part in the debate. That was a great disappointment. Governor, what do you think the greatest challenges are facing Washington State and the country? Well, let's take Washington State first. I think our biggest problem over the next 20 years or so is going to be handling the huge number of people who will seek to come here. Uh, Washington State and Seattle as its biggest city are now well known internationally. Uh, it's, we're not just a sleepy little uh, northwest uh, backwater. Uh, and, uh, and Seattle has sort of become a, uh, a new favorite uh, city in the minds of many people, both here and abroad. And I think we're going to have a tough time. Nationally, a country much more diverse than it is today. And we're going to have to pay a whole lot of attention to how we assimilate and, and how we work together uh, in, a, in an increasingly diverse nation and keep the strengths and the drive that we've had up to now. That's former governor and U.S. Senator Daniel J. Evans from an interview I had with him 20 years ago. Coming up, my interview with citizen activist Judith Zay. The campaign event I spoke with longtime citizen activist Judith Zay. My first question, did she ever think she would ever see the day when so many women will be running for political office. Well, yeah, because we've seen it in the past a few times. But, but there's no doubt that having, um, having the president we have and having a lot of women who are part of the Me Too movement and who are politically active and don't like the way the politics are right now, I think the candidates who spoke here really talked about reaching across the aisle and that's a good thing. So what would you think the first thing that you would like to have happen if the Democrats get the House? What would you say if you were there? To just carry out their agenda, but do it on things that shouldn't be partisan, do it in a nonpartisan way, reach across the aisle. Do you think that's possible, though? I think that it isn't possible in the current state of things, but if the Democrats take control, it may become more possible, especially with... Uh, I've been following Democrat the contests all over the country. I've been sort of spending all the money I get every month on supporting candidates that I think would be good for the country. And... Um, I think what's needed is for people to be elected who believe in working on issues and working in a bipartisan way. 
And I, I don't think Trump has a clue what his tariffs, for example, are doing to farmers. And farming is a big part of Washington state. So there's a lot there's a lot of room for making things better. What was the first campaign that you were actively involved in? Oh my God, it was when I was a teenager. I campaigned for Adlai Stevenson, I remember. Um, um, basically, I've generally, for most of my life, done a certain amount of campaigning for, for Democrats. We always hear this is the most important election. I've heard this all my life, too. This one. Yeah. You, where do you put this election coming up in a couple weeks? Well, I think it is really important because basically the whole political atmosphere has been poisoned because we have a president who plays to a base that is white supremacist. I mean, this is a really bad thing for the country. If all the immigrants were... I was reading an article about how many uh, of the Fortune 500 country were companies were started by immigrants, for example. Huge numbers. Basically, immigrants have been a source of innovation. They've been a source of, of farm labor and farm development. They've, been, they've brought so much to the country. So how can somebody be anti-immigrant? I, I don't get it. That citizen activist, Judith Zay. stand for. And I, I think more and more that as important as grade school, high school, college, university, advanced degrees, all of that is, and it's essential, that maybe is as important as any of it is how we are brought up at home. How were we raised to behave about telling the truth, for example? or treating people with kindness, tolerance, um, empathy, and hard work. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where people not only worked hard, but if you were a hard, good worker, that counted high in how you were appreciated by other people. I remember my father used to say, oh, Charlie, he, he drinks too much, but he's a good worker. Or Fred, he, he, he's a terrible exaggerator and tells stories that I don't quite believe, but, but he's a good worker. And if you were a good worker, that forgave all other failings in effect. And that's what we, how we got to where we are by working very, very hard. When I was doing my Wright Brothers book, they're two young men who never had the chance to go to college, never even finished high school. But they were brought up to have purpose in life. They were brought up with values at home to learn to use the English language on your feet and on paper so that you read their letters that have survived in the Library of Congress. And it's, they're, they're humbling in, the, in the, the quality of their vocabulary, their, their capacity 
to express themselves um, superbly and uh, and never to boast about yourself, never to get too big for your britches. One of the things I so impressed me at the time, and it impresses me even more, given the situation we're in now, is that John Kennedy almost never talked about himself. Imagine. As you say, didn't use the first person singular. No, no. Almost never used the first person singular about anything. A man who could have gone on and on, to say the least, with justification and pride of what he'd accomplished. That's historian David McCullough. And I think he was referring, wasn't he, to Donald Trump when he was talking about not talking about yourself and bragging and too big for your britches. I think that was Donald Trump, wasn't it? That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. I would like to thank Lisa Brown, Dr. Kim Schreier, Daniel J. Evans for an interview I had with him 20 years ago, and Judith Zay for sharing their wisdom and experience with us today. As I mentioned earlier, Carolyn Long, running for Congress from the 3rd District, covering Southwest Washington, was also present, but I did not get a chance to talk with her. I heard her speak, and I think she would be a great addition to Congress from our state. Now, if you want to help, Google Lisa Brown, Dr. Kim Schreier, or Carolyn Long and find out how you can help their campaigns in the last couple of weeks. This is the final sprint. Perhaps you could doorbell or contribute. These races are so close. You can personally make the difference. One more added incentive. These three congressional candidates are not taking PAC money. That should cinch your vote right there. If you want to listen to any show for the last year and a half, Google KKNW and then click on to archives at the bottom of the page and then click on to Voices of Experience and you have arrived at the right place. You can listen to past interviews that include former host of NPR's All Things Considered, Robert Siegel, another couple of shows I did on homelessness several weeks ago, which included a visit to the Bread of Life Mission in Seattle's Pioneer Square. I interviewed the first American to climb Mount Everest about 20 years ago, Jim Whitaker, and Chicken Soup for the Soul author and entrepreneur, Mark Victor Hansen. All true voices of experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer of Voices of Experience. You can call me anytime at 206-459-5536. That's 206-459-5536. And if you have any comment that you would like to make on what you heard on the show today, call 425-653-1166, 425-653-1166, and just leave a voicemail, and I'll get it on the air. Now, before we go, I'd just like to give one more nudge to get your ballot in the mail before Election Day. I've been hammering the Republicans today, but um, and I think for good reason, but I also want to be fair and point out that it was Republican Sam Reed, Secretary of State, who has made it so easy for us to vote. Unlike other states that suppress voter turnout, Sam Reed through his leadership, and we are very fortunate that he and Kim Wyman have made it so easy to vote. Now, before we go, I think Bill Maher from HBO's Real Time has a great suggestion for energizing the progressive base. 
Tell your sane friends that the midterms are the most important election of their lives and tell your conservative friends that climate scientists are working with the Clintons to slip a chemical into the air ducts at polling places that will turn everyone who votes gay. <laughs>